All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Welcome to episode 219 of the DFO Rundown. And we're brought to you by Batano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now, batano.ca. I'm Jason Greger, along with Frank Saravalli. And uh, there is uh, lots of hockey news. The NHL playoffs resume tonight, Carolina and uh, Florida. As a uh, long time for both those teams to be in the uh, third round. We'll discuss that a little bit later on. Then, of course, Dallas and Vegas. Go at it to tomorrow. Vegas, third time in four years are in the conference final, second time in four years. Three different Dallas, coaches. Yeah. Well, hey, if it goes to seven, I know who I'm picking, Frank. Uh, oh, yeah. He's a, Mr. He's the new he's the new Mr. Game Seven. Oh, yeah. We know the question. Um, but let's start with you know the, the big news and the story that uh the Arizona Coyotes, the no vote wins, and uh the, the no vote definitely put a lot more money to ensure that they got their no vote. Um, something like eight times more. I think I read in your article about uh, how much money they put in compared to the, the coyotes and, you know, the coyotes are like, you know, they're still going to keep looking like, I really believe that Gary Bettman's given them every opportunity to stay in Arizona. Some would say probably too many opportunities, but like, it, like this is just like a slow death here. Like, I've yeah. talked to other people around the league and like they say enough's enough here. It's it looks like amateur hour. You're playing in a in a small rink again. There's no plan again. Um I know they're playing there next season, Frank, but do you under what would it take for Arizona to have to move? I, I did want to offer a slight correction before we get going. I did report that as you mentioned, but someone sent me a link overnight uh to the Tempe campaign finance portal that shows that the coyotes faction raised 1.25 million. And as of their last filing had spent 785,000. So they did spend more than I indicated. I think one of the more difficult things to, to figure out is the impact of the labor unions. As I reported that I believe some of them are actually based in Vegas and that's where the money was funneling from. So I don't know if all of that will show up on the campaign finance reports. So anyway, just a side note, um, because I think it is fair to correct the record. However, enough is enough because the people have said it's enough. 
like twice now in the last calendar year, you've been told by your local municipalities that they do not care about your team. And frankly, the Arizona Coyotes knew that making a, a pitch for this arena based on their team was a mistake. Go look at some of their own campaign literature. All you have to do is type in Tempe wins into Google and do an image search. It's amazing to see how they, they positioned it, that this was a vote for jobs. This was a vote for a new uh, music venue and hotels and multifamily residential and restaurants. And the last thing listed was permanent home of the Arizona Coyotes. They knew that even running a campaign based on how unpopular or a non-factor their team is, wasn't the way to do it. Yeah. So that's one. So now the, the, the residents in Tempe have voted. And to be fair, it's also not a, a full referendum on the entire marketplace because it's just one municipality. It's just Tempe. It doesn't include yeah. Phoenix or Scottsdale or, you know, Glendale or wherever else. However, the city of Glendale one year ago unceremoniously kicked you out of their arena as a tenant because they quite literally said to you, we think we can make more money without your 45 non-revenue producing dates hamming up our schedule. Yeah. So when you have two different municipalities tell you that they don't care, to then come back again for another season and say, we're going to continue the search for our next new home in Phoenix. Enough is enough. Yeah. We've, we, we've reached the theater of the bazaar now where this has gone on for 15 years at least. How many trips has Gary Bettman made to Arizona? Might as well buy a house there. He's been there so many times trying to support and prop up his team and God bless him. Because that guy has fought for that market against all logic. <laughs> but it is time now, after yet another referendum, to go. Put that place in a team that it can thrive. Put that team in a place that it can thrive. That's, that's what needs to happen. I, I don't know where that is. I don't know where the best ownership situation is. But to come back for another year in a 4,500-seat college arena instead of pulling up stakes is, is not only gut-wrenching for the players and for um, the fan base to potentially have a lame duck season in Arizona, but to think that Mesa or, you know, downtown Phoenix or one of the indigenous reservations that they've been trying to partner with is suddenly going to step up. And then we're going to start this process all over again, where it's going to take four years to build an arena or three years it's, it's untenable. It's impossible. You have to get out. I, I see. Honestly, I understand that they're not going to move in a span of four months, but why not? Well, I could even argue that they could. I was going to say, I, I get why the league May 31st. That's the day that the uh, Winnipeg jets relocated to it from Atlanta. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they, it can, it's 13 it days can. from now. It can happen. It should happen. Um, now, the Salt Lake one, I saw the Salt Lake owner put a lot of fuel on the fire by tweeting out it's already in motion. They don't have a facility right now. That, that you know, The last thing I think you want to move is to from one you know, below average facility to another below average facility um, for a year or two, although I guess it is bigger. But um, you know, I don't, what I don't see Houston? how. Yeah, well, Houston or Kansas City. Like the rink in Kansas City, Frank. And when you consider it, so you got the Royals, but they don't really play against, they don't play against uh, the NHL schedule unless you're in the playoffs. I'm sure right? you saw Mahomes tweet, right? Yeah. The, uh, the, the KC chiefs to, to have a hockey team, the chiefs are the chiefs are the big dog, but they play eight, 10 home games a year, right? Ah, maybe 11 if they get uh, deep, cause they're pretty good, but you know, and, and they're playing on Sundays. You, you would have an opportunity in that market no question to, to come in and for half for when your season's on, you'd be the number two team. And then you'd be the only team in town, basically from uh, depending how deep the chiefs go in the middle of January, maybe February, but either way, February till then you'd be the only team in town. And, you know, I, I mentioned, uh, you know, you mentioned Mahomes tweet. 
I think they want it. I don't, I don't think there's any doubt about that. It's a great facility. So it's a small market. I, I just, it's a smaller market, but who cares? Like Arizona, here's the thing I don't understand because people always push out that, well, they're the 11th because I, I, re, I read up the most recent numbers and, and, and Phoenix is the 11th biggest TV market, they say. But I don't care how big your TV market is, Frank, if you have nobody in your market watching the games. It doesn't like, who cares? It's the second largest market in the state of Missouri. Like they're already in one in St. Louis. I and St. Louis is considered a smaller market team in in the NHL. No, yeah. I, I I understand the the arena. It's actually owned by the Kings owner and Shoots Entertainment Group. Yeah, it it actually uh, inside the arena itself, which is odd because it's named T-Mobile Center, is almost identical to T-Mobile Arena where the Vegas Golden Knights play. They're very similar builds. It's an easy fit. I just, first off, the reason why no one is in Kansas City now is because no one stepped up from an ownership group to put a bid in. There was no interested ownership party in Kansas City, Missouri. In Houston, we know there's an interested ownership party and Houston is the fourth biggest city in the U.S. or fifth. Yeah, no, Houston, Houston and can... Phoenix are the same size and the metro size in Houston is bigger. Yeah, you want to go to Houston, I have no problem with it. Pick either one. I don't honestly I don't but care. But the, just... the the cities as the it's the same on par size as Phoenix. So you're not losing anything in terms of market size. You've got an NHL ready building in the Toyota Center where the Houston Rockets play. You had a previous interested ownership party that is well funded in Tillman Fertitta. Like what's why wouldn't like why does it feel like this week the NHL and the Coyotes both thought that this had no chance of happening and it looks like the NHL got caught with its pants down. Yeah, well not having a a plan here makes it makes little sense from an NHL perspective. You know, I expect the Coyotes they they didn't want to have a plan B because they wanted to put all of their eggs in the basket and hope that it would work and look like they weren't looking anywhere else. And so I understand the optics of why you would do that. But the NHL for for Gary Bettman to be here on May 18th and be like, well, we don't really know what we're doing. We're just gonna run at the Mullet Arena. And I love the Mullet Arena, man. It's a fantastic place to watch a game, but it's not an NHL facility. It's a joke. Yeah, it's not an NHL facility. It's an unreal college facility. It's not an NHL facility. And it's a joke to go back there again. We're going to yeah. try again to find a new home. It's like me at a high school dance. How many times do you hear no before you understand that it's not happening? Well, you know what it is, Frank, but everybody goes around and asks a different girl or a different guy, and eventually someone says yes, and that's what the Coyotes, like the coyotes look like the Desperado at 2 a.m. at closing time. And, it's uh, embarrassing. Just... <laughs> this is the this is the National Hockey League. This is supposed mm-hmm. to be the premier hockey league on the planet. Find a place that wants you. Well, find a place that's going to support your 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 team. Like you, you look at the success, and it's funny. You've got Seattle, Vegas. They're in their sixth and second seasons in the National Hockey League, and you know they've got fan bases loving it. The teams are competitive. Um, Arizona hasn't been competitive forever because they don't make any money. They don't have any money. They don't want to spend any money. They spend more money. Well, uh, not really actual money, but uh, you look at their cap space dollars and how much of it is LTIR from guys not even playing just so they can get to the cap floor. Like it's ridiculous. And, They're and a I laughing know stock. Other teams around the league are sick of propping them up. The players are disappointed because the, there's, they don't want to no, play it's, there. It's 31 HRR, Frank. It's not 32 because they're not making any money. They're a suck on revenue. Yes. They take money from the league because of revenue sharing. Yes, 100%. They're not a I, contributor. And it's and you know what, hey, I feel I have empathy for the diehard hockey fans. I do. But unfortunately, there's not yeah. enough of them to Guess support where else there's diehard hockey fans. Hartford and previously it was Winnipeg before they Quebec. got their team back and Quebec City like, like the Remparts by the way. 18,000 fans. For the Quebec Major Junior Playoffs, you get five thousand for an NHL team. Like, give me a break. Like Quebec City, if we were talking about places that could easily host it, Quebec should easily be getting a team. So then people say, "Well, okay, this is just a temporary stopgap. We'll go back to Mullet Arena." And my point is, if everyone knows, and we don't know yet, but if they are a lame duck team next season, 
what who that could be the most embarrassing thing going in pro sports is that they can't even sell out a 4500 seat arena because why would you choose like look at the, Tyler made this point the other day why would you choose the why would you choose to support the Oakland A's they've like 14 people at their game the other day yeah it's crazy so why wouldn't the coyotes become the same thing except worse they're charging yeah. a premium for those seats because it's a small venue yeah why would you support that team knowing that they're they're potentially going to be leaving? Oh, and, and frankly, should leave. It's a disaster for for the NHL, and I'm surprised that other owners haven't spoken out. Now, maybe they are privately, Frank, but they've got to be livid. And I know that the PA is not happy about it. No, I, I know that there's there's definitely people on the NHL's board of governors that are saying it's time to go. Oh, it's got to force be. them to sell and relocate. And here's the thing, Frank, when you consider the price tag of the Ottawa centers franchise, if you're, if you're Arizona, you'll never find a better time to sell. Well, that's if the NHL hasn't capped what they can earn, which I think is a possibility. I know. I don't know if this is the case with Alex. Well, they're going to say you got to pay back it. some stuff. Well, no, there's this, there was a significant amount of debt. But I don't know. I think how it worked with Andy Barraway, who owned the team before, who was since arrested um, and has been stripped of the remaining percentage that he owned of the team, I think, or at least suspended. Um, when he bought the team, he was he's a hedge fund guy. He's actually from Philly. And they said, essentially, you can buy this team, but if you think you're going to turn around and flip it at some point and cash in on the valuation of all the other franchises that have happened around you, that's not happening and we're capping it at a certain number. Oh, okay. Makes sense. You don't just get to come in and, and be a scavenger. Yeah, you don't get to be a basically you don't they don't want the home flipper. Right. That's no. that's what they were stopping in this case. No. I don't Makes know sense. if they did the same with Alex Maruello or not, or if this was an authentic play to actually own the coyotes, which I guess if you want to say you own a pro sports team, you do. But Well, I can tell you that, you know, if fans around the league are tired of it. I think people are tired of it, and I think there has to be a conclusion there, uh, hopefully sooner than later. Uh, some other offseason news, the, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins search um, for a GM. Frank, uh, they had round one, significant amount, and uh, usually it cuts down in half, uh, give or take, for the, uh, the second round of interviews. Um, do you, do you see a leading candidate at all at this point in your in your mind? I really don't. I thought for the longest time that um, Jason Botterill made all the sense in the world as the leading candidate. Uh, given his previous connection to Pittsburgh, he's familiar with Mike Sullivan, won cups, um, has, you know, his tenure in Buffalo looks a lot better now that they've had uh, an increase in success. And you look at seven of their last eight, uh, seven of their lead, of their eight leading scorers last season, I should say, were all Jason Botterill uh, additions. Picks or trades. Yeah. Um, and then now you see the success in Seattle and you say, okay, he obviously has a big hand in that as well. Um, but I don't, I don't know if he's actually still in or not. I can't get a real good sense. The Penguins have done a good job of clamping down on information. I think um, – John Chaika has really gained some significant steam and momentum. Um, I reported a couple weeks ago that he was, you know, pretty far along in the process of, of the Flyers. Um, what does that mean now moving forward is, you know, I still believe they're going to have a president and a GM. Um, and will, it, will they go with someone like John Chaika in the president role and then someone sort of less experienced that's never done it before in the GM role that's ready to do it, whether it's Eric Tolsky or uh, Jason Carmanos or, um, you know, pick someone, Dan McKinnon in New Jersey that hasn't, they haven't been in the chair before that might now have an opportunity. Does the Shaika being back in, considering you know his time in Arizona, surprise you? Um, no, because I think people could see that there was a mess going on around him, 
I do think the idea of him, the, the notion that he bailed on the team before the bubble uh, wasn't a good look. Um, and what also the fine and everything for the, yeah, you know, for the draft, like draft eligible players and, you know, meeting them on days of games and stuff that's just completely frowned upon. Yeah. That part too certainly didn't help, but I, I don't know. I mean, who am I to sit here and judge and say this person is or isn't ready for another opportunity? Like what would happen if that person was placed in a different situation with a more stable ownership group, a more well-funded ownership group, do the same things unravel and happen again? I, I doubt it. Um, but I think when you're in that spot, you're also trying to, he, he, I don't think he's had any knowledge of, of what was taking place. I think it was Lindsey Hofford was the guy doing that work. But at the end of the day, you're the boss and you should know what's going on around you too. But they're probably looking for every advantage they could find. Yeah. It's not, not, not saying it's acceptable. I'm just saying I, you know, it's impossible to fully judge the scenario without knowing all of the surroundings. And uh, what do you make of the Brad Treleme not being granted an opportunity interview for that job by the Flames? He's obviously, you know, his contract technically goes till June 30th and uh, they didn't allow it. Um, why such blad, bad blood? Why such pettiness going on? Well, we know why. It's because he told them no. No one ever tells Mary Edwards no. He wanted to fire Daryl Sutter and they didn't do it. And he walked, and then after the fact, they finally did what was right and what should have happened from the beginning. And now it's petty, as you said. I think it's no way to run a business. I think no. if you're an agent, if you're a player, um, if you're a potential GM candidate now, you're sitting here saying, why would I want to go work there for that guy when I could go somewhere else and not deal with someone who's vindictive like that? Yeah. Um, the reason why I reported it last week was to just basically think, shine a little light on it to say, this is not right. Um, and it's, I think it's disappointing. That's not how you treat someone who for a decade provided, you know, really good service to your team and to your market. 10 well, years. If, you know, he's free on July 1 anyway, you know he's not coming back. What's, you know, two weeks or two months, excuse me, of um, allowing him to to move on to greener pastures? Like, I just, it makes no sense to me. Yeah, you're, you're basically limiting someone for the opportunity to have a job for next season as, as a GM anyway, because it's very rare. That happens the odd time, but very rare to teams make an, a, a management change in July. So just a note on timeline, um, I would be surprised that if the time we do next Thursday's podcast, that we don't have a new GM in both Pittsburgh and Calgary. I think both are pushing really hard. Not only do they have want to have someone in place by June 1st, because there's a lot of stuff happening, but um, they're, they're pretty far along in their processes. Like you mentioned Pittsburgh and round two, uh, the, the Flames conducted their round one with um, the two internal candidates that they have in Craig Conroy and Brad Pascal in person and then everyone else on Zoom. And I think now that they've moved to the next step in their process, they're bringing people in to Calgary. Um, <clears throat> it's, you know, there's, there's an interesting mix of people that have been involved there. I don't know how it's all going to shake out, but I still think that for that market, for that team – the best candidate that they have is is right in their own front Craig office Conroy. Right, right now and Craig Conroy. I agree wholeheartedly. Yeah. I I'd be surprised, Frank, if it wasn't him, to be honest. I think he's he's highly respected. The people like him, you know, the fan base likes him, the people in the organization like him. He's Craig Conroy is one of those guys and I've never met anybody who doesn't like him. Like yeah. he's just he's a very friendly, jovial, upbeat guy. Well, that and he's also more than that. It's not a popularity contest. No, no. It's, Smart a, dude too. it's a it's someone that's done everything in an in an on and off ice NHL yes. career that has positioned himself for this. Plus, I think it's the overall mantra of the marketplace. Like you know, Mary Edwards doesn't want that team to be rebuilding. That's not the plan here. The plan is to be as competitive as you can and as quickly as you can. 
So that means next season they want to be a playoff team again. And with that being the case, who better than the person that has a real good grasp of the roster, knows the proper coach to hire based on his experience around the roster, was part of the decision-making process to build the roster. With that team being as close to the cap as it is, you're not blowing it up. In fact, you need to decide which players do and don't get an extension and who better than the, than the person that's seen them the last number of years to decide on that. So it, it's a no-brainer to me, but the fact that they didn't just do that from the beginning and that they've cast a wide net, spoken to a lot of people, and have now you know, continued people along in this process um, says to me that they it's not a slam dunk and they don't know what they're doing yet. Well, possibly, but I, I, you know what? I've read books about it, and they say if you want to learn about your organization, Frank, sometimes it's best to get outside opinions. And so in that interview process, you might still know you want to hire Craig Conroy. But if you uh, the, the cost is minimal when you bring in other people that you respect and, you know, they have some ideas, they're going to present certain things, and you can take some of that knowledge and be like, yeah, okay, you know, we're, we're still hiring Craig Conroy. And hey, what about this idea? What about that idea that was brought up from someone else? And, and I think that that's actually a strength. So I don't, I don't think it's a bad thing that they're interviewing others. And if they ultimately settle on Craig Conroy, now, if they find someone that they truly believe is better, I, I'd want to know the reason. Is it settling, though, if that's the best candidate? No, no, settling is the wrong word. But yeah. opting for, hey, you know what? We interviewed everybody else. We don't think anybody's any, any better than the guy we have originally. And we just wanted to confirm that. I don't think it's a real shot. On Craig Conroy, I actually think it's kind of smart for an organization to take that opportunity to get some viewpoints because sometimes you don't know what you don't know. And people on the outside sometimes will have maybe a, a less biased, more even-keeled view on certain things. Yeah, I, I get that. I, I don't think you can ever go wrong finding out more information. Yeah. But I also think with everything else that's about to happen, scouting meetings and the draft and free agency. And this is the time of year to trade players like to wait much longer. If this is the actual guy that you want, you, you at some point you're missing opportunity cost. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. But by the end of the month, makes sense to me. I know that you can make announcements on off days during the Stanley Cup final, but the NHL would prefer to have nothing. They want all NHL announcements to be NHL related or Stanley Cup related during the final. I know so they, you're telling me they feel really good about the Coyotes being the thing we're leading our podcast with. Instead oh, of no, no, they hate it right playoffs. now. I hate it right now. Well, guess what? Uh, They're due to it. It's their fault. Yeah, be, be better. Yeah, it's their fault. What about uh, quickly Anaheim, Columbus? Anything new there on the coaching front? So Columbus uh, is interesting. Um, I think they're also making progress. Uh, Peter Laviolette and Pascal Vincent are the two names that I've heard most frequently there. I don't think it's fair to say that they're down to just those two, but I think those two have uh, been given some thought and consideration uh, for sure. And then the Anaheim Ducks has been – you know, Pat Verbeek likes to keep a lid on things wherever possible. But um, with regards to the the number of people that he talked to, I, I just jokingly said on Twitter, 468 potential candidates that he's spoken to. It, it was tongue in cheek. And it was to say they're they've talked to a lot of people. And the yes. fact that there has not been very much said publicly, I think is interesting um, but I did confirm at least three of the people that are on their list in Andrew Brunette, Spencer Carberry, and Mike Vellucci. I think the Mike Vellucci one goes back a ways uh, to just after the regular season ended. I don't, I don't know that that's a new thing, but the new thing is Spencer Carberry, since the Leafs have been eliminated, and um, Andrew Brunette, since the Devils have been knocked out. Um, I think a lot of people felt like Andrew Burnett got screwed last year after the Panthers had their president's trophy winning season and he didn't get a chance to come back and then spent this year on the devil's bench under Lindy Ruff, where the expectation was if things went sideways that Andrew Burnett would take over. Lindy Ruff is now getting an extension. Where does that leave Burnett? And there's a bunch of openings. I wouldn't be surprised to see Burnett pop up in Calgary yeah, and that Washington makes the most sense. And Columbus and all these other places. The only one I don't know about is the New York Rangers for Brunette because they're right across the river. And I don't know if the devils would let him do that, but 
you know, Carberry, same thing. Anaheim, he's, you know, obviously a candidate in Washington, um, having coached their AHL team in Hershey. Like a lot of people were saying the Caps were waiting for Toronto to be eliminated to go after Carberry. I don't think it's that simple, but um, it kind of feels like of that group, like Carberry's going to land somewhere this spring and Brunette's going to land somewhere this spring. And we'll see how it all kind of shakes out from there. Well, to me, Brunette makes the most sense for Calgary for a variety of reasons. I think he's a good young coach. He also had Uyghur and Huberto in Florida. Huberto had his best year of his career. I think if you're just looking from a, a psyche standpoint, you know, Huberto did not mince his words, really. It was a tough year for him. Him and Daryl Sutter did not get on along. And he's not the first guy to go to a new team as a, as a now I know as a trade, but as a free agent, he has the big ticket and struggle. There's lots of guys who in year number one don't live up to what they expect. And then year number two, they're back. But if you brought in Brunette uh, to, to Calgary, A, I think he's a good coach. And B, the, the one guy in your team that you desperately need to get going is the guy who had his best season under him. To me, that makes sense. And the other name, Frank, that I think you talk about the New York Rangers, and I know everybody talks about it's a big market. Geez, you got to go with an experienced coach. We talked earlier about the best replacement for the uh, Flames. Well, the best replacement for the New York Rangers for me is Chris Knobloch. I think Chris Knobloch has done everything that he's done. He has shown at every level he's a successful coach. He does have NHL experience as an assistant coach before, and he's actually ran an NHL bench as a head coach. Remember when uh, Quinn was out for a bit with uh, COVID, he ran the bench. They went undefeated, and the players loved it. The players wanted him to stay. Like I think Chris Knobloch, he knows the organization. He knows the players. That, to me, is the easy and the smart hire for the Rangers. Because Chris Knobloch, there's very few guys who haven't been NHL coaches who have as good of a resume as him. I agree with you, but doesn't mean that the Rangers are going to decide that that's the position for him to step into, given where their team is at. Yeah. Well, like if he it, doesn't go there, other Columbus, you mentioned other teams, they should be looking at him, too. They should, for really 100%. I agree with you. I've I've been praising his resume for a long time. Um the 50 win seasons after Connor McDavid left Erie is what did it for me and a bunch of other people. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think Mitch Love is in the same spot in Calgary. Like, he, he knows their young players that need to transition onto that team uh, that they should be keeping. He was two time AHL coach of the year. Like, how much more do you want for a guy that's already in your organization and in your marketplace with the Wranglers? Like it, it makes sense. And again, I just don't, I don't know that teams have to make the leap of faith with someone that doesn't have quote NHL experience. But as I've said many times on the pod in the past, how do you get the next John Cooper? How do you get the next Jared Bednar? At some point, all of those guys were first time guys. At some point, Peter Laviolette got his first coaching job with the New York Islanders. Like you need an opportunity. Um, yes. And I, you know, every team views that opportunity slightly different based on how their roster is constructed. And I think a team like the Rangers that thinks that they're ready to win, maybe they don't see it as, Hey, we just rather not leave this up to chance. We'd rather take the commodity that we know and do that. That's why to me, like I get that Chris Knobloch makes sense, but I would be like, Hey, what about Peter Laviolette? Like that makes a lot of sense. He's taken three different teams to a Stanley cup final. That, to me, is a, is a strong connection. It makes oh, 100%. Sense. Yeah. I'm not saying he's the only candidate, but I think he has to be one that's a, a leading candidate. And I do find there's very few coaches whose first opportunity is in a position where they can have lots of success because every coach will tell you, you're only as good as your players. And, and if you, you go into some bad teams and you got to guess what? No offense, whoever's going to be the Anaheim Ducks coach, like, God, you could be Scotty Bowman of coaches. You're not going to take a roster like that and suddenly make them competitive. You, well, you that's, need good players. That's where it gets really interesting for someone like an Andrew Brunette, who obviously is in demand. Yeah, I'd go to Calgary way ahead of Anaheim. Yeah, does does Anaheim even make any sense for you? No, I don't think it does, to be honest. Now, some guys will say, hey, I want to get there. I want to get my that's, foot in the door. That's the I thing. Is it, someone but... may just say, I, it's one of 32, and I'm taking the gig. I want it. Yeah. Let's uh, bring in uh, Ty Yaremchuk. Yeah, what's going on, guys? Uh, you guys have been hitting up all the off-season storylines and uh, not digging into the conference finals. So that's, that's what coming I up after. It's coming yeah. up after. Well, I'm, I'll kick it off with uh, our friends at Botano. They got some interesting odds, and I'll share them in a second. But first, I want you guys to, instead of fill in the blank, fill in the bracket. 
Who do you have winning each conference final? And then give me an a early cup final prediction. Let's see if you can shoot your shot from this far out. Frank, what do you got? So I got the Golden Knights in six. Okay. And I've got the Hurricanes in seven. I'm the only person on dailyfaceoff.com staff to pick the Golden Knights to win the West, wow. which is kind of interesting. Um, I'm six and six so far in the playoffs. So then that leaves Carolina and Vegas, and I'm going to take Carolina in seven. All right, so our friends at Botano do have odds up for correctly picking the cup final and the result right now. So Knights over Canes, it pays plus 450. Jason, what do you got? So what, no, I have Canes over Knights. Oh, sorry, Canes over Knights pays plus 400. Let's see, that's not enough to get me excited. Okay. Four to one on the money. Is it enough for you? It's so, the most... Like, it's, you got to get so much. You got to get three series in a row. Yeah. It's basically a three series parlay, and you're only getting four to one on your odds. Uh, Batano does have that as the most likely outcome at plus four hundred. So, oh well, then f-, <laughs> f me then for being so non-original. Jason, what do you got? I have the exact opposite. Actually, I have the uh, Panthers winning in uh, in six, and I have Dallas in seven. Because if the series goes seven, they don't lose. They got they got uh, Mr. Game Seven as a head coach, so I will go Dallas and Florida, and uh, then I have the Florida Panthers winning their first ever Stanley Cup. I don't know if we could see it any more differently than this. Well, yeah, because yeah, Frank picked the number one slot on the odds board, and Jason went with what Botano has as the least likely outcome, which is Panthers beating the Stars at nine to one. That's worth it. Yeah. Well, hey, Patano, once I'm right, feel free to give me a call next time for your odds. I I just had to like. Eat, eat my words because I was about to say if the Panthers beat the Stars to win the Stanley Cup and Sergei Bobrovsky is hoisting the Stanley Cup, that I will eat cat food, but I'm not going to say yeah, it. Trust <laughs> me, man. Nine to one, that's not good enough odds to lay that kind of thing out there. Oh, I, I just, I look at Florida. I think Florida's beaten two way better teams to get to where they are compared to Carolina. It's not Carolina's fault. You got to play who, who's put in front of you, but yeah. the uh, Florida Panthers, Bobrovsky's lights out right now. Um, Matthew Kachuk's playing great. Verhage, Ekblad, Montour. I just I like the top end talent more in Florida. Yeah, that is uh, that's totally fair. And they've knocked off. Although getting Teravainen back yep. should uh, is is definitely going to help Carolina. No question. Uh, up next, they also have Conn Smythe Trophy odds up there. So based off your pick, blank will win the Conn Smythe. Jason. God. Um, well, it's a two horse race for for Florida. So um, goalie Bob or Kachuk. Um, you know what? Every now and then the league needs a villain. Let's get the villain. You know, a lot of fan bases hate him. Villain. So he's a media darling. Let's go to uh, Matthew Kachuk. Matt Kachuk. He's, he's a media darling and you know who votes. Yeah. So uh, Kachuk is a uh, Bully Bob, the though, would be very deserving the way. If yeah. Bully Bob has two more rounds like this, he could easily win. Uh, Kachuk tied for the top spot in Con Smythe odds at seven to one. Bobrovsky With, is in uh, the next tier down at nine to one. So and it's funny. So, that, so the best, um, my guess is that the the tie with Kachuk is Jack Eichel. Jack Eichel and Sebastian Ajo. Oh, hmm. well, that's a weenie way to do the odds. Oh. I don't know what to tell you. I don't make them. Uh, Frank, what yeah. do you have? Uh, who's your Con Smythe pick? Um, my con Smythe pick through the first two rounds was Jack Eichel. Uh, if the golden Knights are, I, you know, I'd be surprised unless there's some kind of incredible dominant performance again, that someone wins the con Smythe in a losing fashion. It's been a while since we've had that, but I think the thing for the Canes is I don't, if I have the Canes winning the cup, like there isn't anyone that I know Sebastian Ajo has. Jordan Martinuk. Jordan Martinuk. Don't even. <laughs> Tyler did this yesterday on Daily Face Off Live, and I was like, come on, man. Like, but I even, love that storyline. It's an amazing story, but even Jordan Martinuk is like, sorry, I don't have any explanation for why this is happening. Well, no, nor should he, but it's unbelievable, man. So I love the playoffs. So unpredictable. No Ten, one understands. Two it. points a game in a series. Are you kidding me? So... I don't know. Like, I is there is there a chance if it's Kane's Golden Knights and the Canes win that someone from the Golden Knights wins it in a losing fashion? Well, the Canes aren't winning, so just pick someone else. Okay. Yeah, it's tough. I just so everyone is clear, I had the Canes in the Stanley Cup final from October, so from Jump Street. So I feel like I have to stick with them. Fair. 
Uh, my two picks, by the way, I'm going with the uh, Stars to beat the Panthers at 9-1. to one, And my favorite Con Smythe pick is Rupe Hints at 10-1. to one. So it goes... Rupe! You got Eichel, good player, Aho, man. Really good player. At 7-1. Anderson, Bobrovsky, 9-1. to one. Ottinger, Stone, and Hints round out the rest of the group at 10-1 to one, uh, on the odds board. Um, also, while I'm scrolling here on Botano, they do have odds up on Connor Bedard going first overall in the NHL draft. If you were to wager $1,000 on it, you would profit $1. So, you know, easy, easy way to make a buck, maybe? Never mind. Uh, Literally, to make a buck. <laughs> uh, what about, do they have odds to pick the top three? Yeah, they have uh, They have odds for second overall, which is Adam Fantilli, and he's a, obviously a massive favorite as well, but they don't have odds on uh, third overall. Yeah, see. So I wonder, if, like, this is just a dumb hypothetical. Like, I wonder if anyone, is there, like, a limit on how much you can wager on that? Like, if you went to Vegas and you said, I want to bet – two and a half your mattress mac and i want to bet two and a half million dollars that the blackhawks will take connor bedard like obviously the payout isn't good but it's literally free money yeah there, there's got to be a limit i bet you if you went they would not allow that to go through i okay. think it's just you know kind of there well um, if you bet 10 grand you get 10 bucks so if you bet 100 grand you get it you get a you get a hundred dollars right million, if i'm doing the math thousand, correctly yeah. So basically, if I bet a million, I'm getting. So yeah, if you bet two and a half million, Frank, you make twenty five hundred. Yeah, they're probably gonna max it for sure somewhere. Yeah, that's dumb. Uh, all right, third one I got for you. Conference finals is when we find out uh, who the GM of the year candidates are. So I'll throw you guys this one. Blank would be your pick for GM of the year, Jason. Whew. That's a good question. Yeah, see, they always do. The GM is always someone in the conference final. So three of the yes, you can almost bet that of the four teams in the conference final, three of the GMs will be the finalists. So out of that, who made the biggest offseason acquisition? It's pretty obvious, Bill Zito. So I will go with Bill Zito. And by, for the record, I don't like that they wait to vote on it when uh, you get to the conference it's, finals. It's lame. It's oh, let's so, just go who's ever in the conference final. But I will uh, I will say Bill Zito. I think that's the third thing I've said this week on this pod, that is it, it is a weenie move. Um, I love I love calling anything a weenie move. It's your, it's your word, yeah. It is, yeah. Um, I will say you're. I think you're right that Bill Zito will win. I think the people that also deserve consideration for this year outside of the the final four, um, people don't – Jim Nill will also be a finalist, and I don't think people recognize the contractual situation that the Stars were in or fully appreciate it with Jason Robertson in the last couple of days before the regular season and – Jake Ottinger getting done this summer. Like there was a lot of work to do and they navigated that quite well. He should get some points for that. Tom Fitzgerald with the New Jersey devils. Um, like if you just look at calendar years, like, cause I'm a big, I don't care what they did the year before from July 1st until now. If you look at a GM whose job is to improve his team and, and, and do it in a fashion where he didn't give up a whole bunch you, know, you look at the moves Ken Holland made. They're pretty solid. The clean cost yeah. trade was a steal, right? Bugstad, Ekholm, like he, he. I would go. I would go Ron Francis though before yeah, I went. That was going to be my pick. Um, yeah, I'm not saying. Well, Holland's not going to be a finalist at all. I'm just saying a guy who had a good year is yep. in the GM chair. And, and I think uh, that was one of the things that really annoyed me about the way that what we talked about on Monday's podcast sort of twisted in the next direction was that somehow whatever we were saying about Steve Steos was a knock or a shot on Ken Holland. Like, no, the Oilers were thrilled with the deadline that he had. And no one is trying to push Ken Holland out. This is more just about the idea of protecting someone that has a future um, to be a GM. And the Oilers need a succession plan in general. Ken Holland has one year left on his deal. He has sort of openly said to people that this is his last year. So then what's the plan one year from now as you're sitting in the same exact spot facing an even bigger offseason with Leon Dreisaitl needing a new contract? Like, to not have the conversation now, to me, seems a little crazy. But that was a huge tangent from the GM of the year. 
interesting stuff. Yeah, Francis uh, was going to be my pick as well. I'd love to see them pick someone outside of the top four. Yeah, for it would be nice. By the way, like I, I know you said Bill Zero is going to win, but can we go back a second in time and, and recognize fully that the Florida Panthers lost their way into the playoffs? Yeah. The Penguins, like if the Pittsburgh the Penguins, Penguins don't absolutely spit the bit against the New York Islanders, we are not even talking. Uh, no, it was against the Blackhawks, right? Sorry. Yes, 5-2. The, the Islanders did their own thing where they gagged on it. Um, if, we, if that doesn't happen, a loss to the Blackhawks on home ice, we're literally talking about the Panthers sitting at home right now. Yeah. Hey, well, that, that's why the voting, when they vote for it, Frank, you asked me to pick who, who not who I think's deserving, yeah. who I think's going to win. Yeah, 100%. All right, that is a wrap on this week's edition of uh, Fill in the Blank. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST. And up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So we made our prediction. So now let's go a little bit deeper. What is it that you like about Carolina over Florida? Their defense core. Um, I think one of the big things we missed out on these playoffs is the importance of defense. And I know that Florida's forecheck absolutely shredded Boston in the last few games of that series, and they also manhandled the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't – is all of that a surprise? Like, maybe not. Uh, they're also pretty disciplined in their structure, and um, they're definitely hungry, and they're, they're fearless that I think they take on for Matthew Kachuk, and there's a lot to like about Florida. I'm not saying their decor is no good, like – I think Forsling is incredibly underrated. I think um, um, you look at Montour and the playoff and season that he's had in general, it's been unbelievable. Ekblad's been great. Gudis is sort of your prototypical, perfect playoff number four defenseman. But with all due respect to the Bruins, they haven't played a defense that is as good and as mobile as Carolina, who doesn't really get phased by a strong forecheck. And so I, I really like the Canes, and now they're getting Tara Vinen back, an additional scoring punch. I just think Carolina's the best team, if that makes any sense, like T-E-A-M, that I think that's why they have an advantage over the Panthers. Why do you like the Panthers? Uh, I, I like the Panthers. Uh, well, number one, uh, Toronto's a better offense in Carolina, and they limited them to 10 goals in five games. Um, I, I thought... 
that that was spectacular team defense. Obviously, Bobrovsky played very well, but I think the team defense by, by Florida in that series was really impressive. Um, I, I look at the New York Islanders and the New Jersey Devils, and then I compare them to Toronto and Boston, and I just believe that Florida's had to beat two better, more experienced, deeper teams to get to where they are. And I know they're getting Tara Vina back, so that's going to help Carolina for sure. Um, you know, Jordan Martinuk had an unbelievable series. Ten, po- 10 points, for goodness sake. So that's, that's what you need. Like, he had in his first 41 playoff games, Frank, he had two goals. He scored three goals in that series. He had 10 points. Like, uh, So I would say that that's never going to happen again. That's my point. Yeah. So where's the offense in Carolina? Um, gonna Sebastian Ajo, could he get hot? 100%. But I just I look at Florida. I, I think they're tenacity. I think they're a bigger, more physical team than New Jersey is. And I agree with you. I love Carolina's defense. But is Carolina going to be able to score like Bobrovsky's an infinitely better goaltender than what they just faced in the second round? Now Sorokin in the first round, they got they got to him. So I give them a lot of credit there. But I didn't. The Islanders couldn't score. Man, you give them a hundred dollar bill in a brothel and they're not scoring. So um, I look at uh, at Florida. I think it's a good series, but I, I just like Florida's speed. And there's just something about that team. I like Barkoff. Um, I like Kachuk. I think they're top-end forwards as a group are way better than Carolina's, and that'll be the difference. I get it. I I, I think this is an incredibly co- close series. I have the Canes in seven for a reason. Like, I could, I could definitely see all the points that you make going Florida's way. I just – Something about Carolina and the way this team has built and the timeline they're on, like this is their year. If they don't win this year, especially with the path now, you know, Florida, the eight seed, like they've got some really big decisions to make this offseason. You know, Pesci, Ajo, Shea, all these guys need new deals. They're all entering the final year of their deal. Like this team has been built for this moment, and I kind of feel like that's another – it doesn't always work out that way, but Florida wasn't built for this year. And I think at some point, Sergei Bobrovsky, especially after another week to kind of smell himself a little bit, he's going to go back to being the guy that has been the worst contract in the league. Or, or he's that's the, the big trophy. thing. Like he could just turn into a pumpkin man. Cause that's what he's done the last few years. Yeah, um, he seems to have refound his game. There's no question about it. Now, Vegas, Dallas, I found that one. You know, I, I went uh, Dallas in seven only because of DeBoer's record when it gets to seven games. I think it's a coin flip. I think it's going to be very even. Jack Eichel, uh, you were, Jack Eichel was unreal. He was the best player top to bottom in the uh, in the Orders uh, Vegas series. Uh, he was outstanding. Um, so I'm Didn't I, I did apologize last pod, right? I said, yeah. hey, if not, I need to do it again because – I said before the playoffs started that Jack Eichel is the NHL's most disappointing $10 million skater. And the only reason I said skater is because the other most disappointing $10 million player is Sergei Bobrovsky. And here both of them are in the conference final. And I owe Jack Eichel a huge apology because, like I said, he's been my round two uh, series MVP. He's the Conn Smythe clubhouse leader for a reason. He's been that good. Not just the points, the nine points in, in round two. He's never on the ice for goals against, man. Doesn't get scored. He, he, he went toe-to-toe with the two of the best players in the planet and played some really hard minutes and did really well. Yeah. So, um, I like Dallas. I just, obviously, Miro Heiskanen is unbelievable uh, for me. And I just, my concern is, you talk about Bobrovsky. Like, is Aiden Hill going to be able to do this? For another series, that to me is. But the how average did Jake Ottinger look in round two? Yeah, hey, he did it. That's time. a well, concern for me. Like yeah, I know he that he showed time. up in Game Seven when it mattered, but the fact that he seemed very gettable is something that we haven't seen from playoff Jake Ottinger. So I, I'm with you. Like the one big question mark for the Golden Knights has been their goaltending, but. Jay, since since September, we've been saying, can the Golden Knights really win with this goaltending? Like, they won their division. They knocked off, you know, one of the Stanley Cup favorites, if not the favorite, heading into round two in the Oilers. And now, like, here they are, Aiden Hill, their third-string goalie. Like, why can't they do it again? Well, they might be able to. They got good team defense. I, I like their blue line. The, the one thing that, that Edmonton didn't do in that series – 
They didn't get a, they didn't get a lot of point shots, redirections, rebounds, and Dallas does that, right? Like Joe Pavelski is the best tipper in the game, so you're gonna watch how they attack. It's gonna be very different than the uh, old tip game than them. And so I I just I like Dallas's offense, and um, so that's what I'll go with them. So I think it's a tough series, though. Like I, I if it's a short series, I'll be surprised by either team. So that's why I picked Dallas. I don't think either one is gonna be a short series. Yeah. I just hope they're as good because I'll say this, Frank. I watched game one of the Lakers and and the Denver Nuggets. I love Bob. I'm a huge sports fan. That series was unreal. And then game one last night of the Heat and the Celtics. Are you kidding me? Jimmy Butler was on fire in that game. Like Those two game ones, the NHL tonight, tomorrow, I hope they're the same. Like I'm looking forward to it. I haven't had any hockey for a few days. So, you know, let's get it on. And and I hope that those games live up to it. I know some people Have are we? like, ah, there's no major markets. I'm like, I don't care. I want competitive hockey. I'd, I'd give two scores which teams are in. I want it to be competitive. And I think there's a chance like that this game that these there's gonna be some high scoring games in this series, no question in my mind. I get it. I also I get what you're saying. I got everyone loves competitive hockey. I just I I do have a hard time. I think a lot of people have a hard time getting juiced up for this these last two rounds now. Yeah, but if you're a hockey fan, then or are you just a big name fan? That's the way I look at it. Yeah, I think that's fair, but the the numbers are going to speak for themselves too. Well, yeah, because and I get it. Hockey's still regional, and I understand that most fans care more about their team than any other team, and I totally respect that. But for me, um, why? How do you get the NHL out of the regional thing? Well, I don't know if any sport like the NBA has that. Like people watch the NBA finals regardless. People watch the Super Bowl every year, no matter who's in it. It's a cultural phenomenon. Oh yeah, Super the Super Bowl, Bowl is also is like literally a, it's everyone on the planet stops what they're doing for those four hours. Well, the Super Bowl because exactly what you said. It's one like day. Like in commitment. Kenya, they're watching the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's a one day commitment. If the Stanley Cup final was one game, I think you'd have massive more viewing. But uh, well, no shit. Like, thank you, um, but. The NBA Finals does three times or five times the viewership of the NHL. Because you have three times or five times more people playing basketball than hockey. Okay, maybe as simple as that, but it, I think it, it, does, it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that it's also a seven-game series. And the, the NBA, for the most part, their superstars, they play more. Right, like you, the Golden State Warriors, big name guys. But that's LeBron what I'm saying. James. That's why people watch because yeah, LeBron James, yeah. even as the whatever seed they are, the Lakers this year have knocked off way better teams because it's it's individual based. But the NBA f- playoffs as a whole, people watch the finals because it's typically the best basketball of the entire year. You have the best superstars going toe to toe for 48 minutes all game long, all series long. In the NHL, the best round is the first round. And I think each round after that gets significantly less interesting. And by the time you get to the final, especially if it's teams in markets that quote-unquote aren't as big or don't matter as much, who no one cares in the, well, well, in the here- general country. Like, even in Canada, like – how many people in Edmonton are going to be watching this Stanley Cup final? Here's good question. Here's the thing about the NHL that makes me chuckle. You have people that are like, oh, we got to have the big names. But then they whine when the big names play over 21 minutes. Oh, he's too tired. They're playing him too much. I'm like, watch the NBA. The superstars aren't running up and down the floor on every court rush gassing themselves. Right, I've said it for a long time, Frank. The NHL would actually be better if they limited the roster. And I know the players won't like it. You limit the roster of hockey. You get down to 10 forwards or whatever. Even if the pace of the game slows down, it'll be so marginal that 99% of the average fan won't notice it. But guess what? Your best players will be on the ice more. And if there's a few more mistakes, like there is in basketball, what happens in basketball is the superstars touch the ball every time up the floor, for the most part. So there's a chance. Maybe Steph Curry's going to shoot. The NHL's best players... If they're on the ice for more than 21 minutes, watch all people around the NHL who whine, oh, geez, Connor McDavid's playing too much. That's why they lost. Does anyone like, say that? I, I don't hear about? anyone say that. Yes, they're on. The, I'll, I'll show you the tweets. I'll go forward you the tweets. Right? I can tell you, former players, I saw Mark Mathot. I've seen other guys do it. Oh, they're playing their top guys too much. People I've been arguing this whole time that those guys should be playing more than 30 minutes a night. Well, I agree with you. 
but they don't, uh. right? Because, and that to me, if the NHL wants to grow their game, you have to grow your superstars. The players aren't going to like it. The PA will never go for it. How much whiskey do you think we would burn just trying to solve the world's problems? Well, I don't care about the world. That's too much big of a thing. I just mean the hockey, the hockey world's problem. The hockey world? Like, yeah. honestly, I think it would be better. Right? Do you, you, you have more ice time for your best players. And guess what? If all the best players are playing more, they're in great shape anyway. Are there going to be a few shifts where maybe they're not 100%? Yes. We need Just a new like sponsor this segment. In Jay's, basketball. Jay's rant of the day. God, well, it's true, though. Like, it's amazing to me how much people in hockey say, watch our sport, watch our sport. And then they turn around and bitch about everything. Oh, the best players are playing too much. What the hell are you talking about? We just wrapped up with April, which is please like my sport month. Yeah. Yeah. Was that it? Yeah. The first round of the playoffs. Please like my sport. Oh, see, I think, I think the later rounds, there's not as many games. So you don't get caught up in the, it's why the NFL is great. Cause on a Sunday there's every game. And even if there's three crap games, there's so many other good games to overcome it. You don't even focus on the crap games. And in the first round of the playoffs, there are lots of intensity more. It ratchets it up, but there are some series that are duds, but there's a, always a few great series. And so you don't watch it as much. Now you get to a, to now there's only two rounds and you're like, well, geez, a, my team isn't in it. So you have only four fan bases. You got a quarter. It's also getting warmer. There's, you know, you you can go outside and especially in Canada, like you can do stuff now. Like it just, it's. But in Vegas and in Dallas, Frank, their fans are injected even more, right? They're into it even more. But it's still like, I've, I've, I've been to like, 13 Stanley cup finals. Like I can tell you that even in some of these markets, it doesn't register. Yeah, no, that's fair. The LA Kings win the Stanley cup. Like they've got their fans right there. The whole rest of the city is like, huh? Like whatever, like who cares? It's a massive city. Yeah. Well, but like, that's how it is. Like it just, it only matters in certain places. And when, yeah, and that, honestly though, if you look at the NFL, like outside of the like, it'll, this will be huge in Carolina. Oh, massive. And Dallas, but in, in, in Fort Lauderdale and Miami, it won't even register on the Richter scale. No, but they're fair. Well, I think it helps them actually that them and the heat are cross promoting a little bit. Right. And they play on opposite nights, which is very they smart. They play in the middle of goddamn nowhere. Yeah, I know. But at least there's a little bit of, hey, we're pumping each other's tires. And so like, the odd basketball like, like, fan. So heat, heat players to go to the Stanley Cup final, if that's what happens, they would need to take a helicopter. That's what they would insist on to get to those games. <laughs> I'm not even exaggerating. No one wants to go to Sunrise I, to drive there. I've been there. I've been at the rink. I know where it is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's out there. It's too bad. But nowadays, Frank, it's all about being on, you know, if, if you want to get more like the younger fans. You got, you got to get street cred and, and be, you got to sit near the glass or sit at a suite. You got to sit in, in courtside seats. You got to show everyone how much money you have. Yeah, that probably, well, I guess so, really. I was just saying, you know, be active on social media. Have the, you know, have the Panther players on TikTok and different places like that. That's how, that's how the the young fan is very different. And that's okay. It's not wrong. It's just different. And that's My favorite they, story of the year is when Tyler told us that when they go through TikTok, that sometimes when like you or I say like, hey, we talked to a GM or talked to three GMs that said this, that people are like, this guy doesn't talk to GMs. Like it's just <laughs> hilarious to see that kids react that way. Oh yeah. Well, Hey, you know what? If um, they just, everybody absorbs their content now different. And I think that, and, and it's not wrong. It's just different. And so most people don't like different and they're uncomfortable with it. They're like, wow, oh, geez, I never did that as a kid. What are these idiots doing? Well, yeah, because you didn't have the technology as a kid, you jabroni. So of course you didn't do it. But um, you know what? Any way to get more people talking, Florida is never going to be a huge market um, across the NHL. But I'm now, obviously I'm a diehard sports fan. Like, I love it. And thankfully, my wife's a big basketball fan, so she'll watch the NBA games to me. She doesn't watch a ton of hockey unless it's a playoff hockey and, and you know, she cheers for Edmonton. But she does um, accept John Tortorella. John Tortorella is her favorite because of um, the Winter Classic. And remember when they had the Flyers and the Rangers? And they were, remember where you did do that seven-week lead-up uh, on TV leading up to the Outdoor Classic? What the road, I can't remember what it's called, but anyway, Torts was on there and he's such a grumpy little guy. She loved him. And honestly, it's his personality. So she's always like, Hey, uh, where's Tortorella coaching? I'm like, yeah, he's in Philly now. Are they in the playoffs? No. Okay. Cause if they were, she'd watch their games. I have so no funny. She just thought he was, he was, cause he was, he's different because he doesn't BS. He just calls it like it is. Some people don't like it, but 
Um, there was a non-hockey fan who was, she watched that show specifically for Tortorella. And that's what the NHL's got to understand. That's how you attract some of them. They don't care about offsides or whatever. Get to know your personalities and you will have more people following your sport. Fair enough. Yeah. Frankie, have yourself uh, a good week. We will, uh, we will see what happens and maybe by Monday. Oh, you're a GM announcement. Possible. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.